Hello and welcome to Sonographers Spill the Tea, where we're here to discuss all things ultrasound, particularly safety in sonography and cap the caseload. We're here to uplift, educate, and foster a community of wellness and realness in ultrasound. And you'll get no shortage of real talk from me, your host, Joanna Hall. Disclaimer, real talk can get explicit at times, so this podcast may not always be suitable for tiny human ears. Now, let's get into this week's tea and sonography. Hey everybody, welcome to Sonographers Spill the Tea. We have such a great episode in store for you guys. I'm here with Shannon, who is an amazing sonographer, and she's also the manager, owner, and creative force behind our hashtag Team Sano store. So I wanted you guys to meet Shannon. Say hi, Shannon. Hi, everybody. Tell everybody a little bit about who you are as a sonographer and a creator. Oh, well, that's a long story. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing sonography now for 11 years. My background actually is retail management and fashion merchandising. So go figure. I worked retail and had no idea about sonography until I ran into somebody and that was going to school for it. And I said, wow, that's really cool. I had no idea that that was something you could do. Mm -hmm. And that was the end of it. And I went to school and I loved every bit of it. And I worked in different settings. Um, and now I'm at a breast center. So dealing with just breasts all day long. <laughs> that sounds like a 16 year old boy's dream. <laughs> yes. And, yes. And I've had people say something and I'm like, well, you haven't dealt with a 90 year old lady before, have you? <laughs> yeah, they're they're not in the same spot. <laughs> Well, I'm so happy that you're taking some time to sit down with me and discuss some some real things in sonography when it when it comes to just a day in the life of, especially in 2020 and 2021. So we're going to go ahead and dive into that tea. And you guys, the, the episode is going to start a little bit. Um, there's not a formal introduction to the episode because really Shannon and I were just kind of shooting this shit. And as we kept talking and the conversation got realer and realer, we just really knew that it was a conversation that you guys needed to be in on and be able to share in. So we decided to go ahead and just click that record button. So as we dive into this week's tea, you're going to hear a bit of an abrupt sound, but we hope you enjoy the episode because man, Mm -hmm. it's a good one this week. Yeah. Nursing home. They couldn't go in there. He just passed away and they had to watch him pass away. And I remember my girlfriend at this, she was, she's like, I'm about to open the door. I need you to step back because we don't know what's going to happen. You don't have a hood on, you just have a mask. So I stepped back, they came out and just this one gentleman who has always been the light of everything. He's always a fun, interesting, go-getting guy. Like he'd come down and we'd, you know, shoot the shit and laugh and joke. The look on his face made me want to cry. Like he's never been like that. So I remember she hit you like a ton of terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. I drove home and on my way home, I stopped at the liquor store and bought two bottles of wine and I come home and I'm like, we're drinking these and we're sitting on the porch. I need mindlessness. And I sat there and cried to my husband. It was just awful in the beginning. Awful. Everybody was scared. No one knew what to do. You know, we we were all over the place. We were and, all over the place. And there was no common factor that really bound us together. Nothing. Where there should have been. There should have been this unity. Like there's a common goal here, which is to survive right. an invisible right. monster. I had actually yeah. written a poem at that time because I just didn't know where to put all of this anxiety and, and, and things that I had probably spent decades working on, you know, triggers and things like that, because we all go through life, right? We're all grown up and we've all have shit baggage that comes with us, but that makes us better healthcare providers too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and so these things that I've had under control for years, when it comes to just anxiety, I didn't feel like I was in control of anything anymore. And and then it was more because now it was, 
my kids, my husband, my yeah. dog. I'm in a trailer. It's only 350 square feet. So if something gets in 350 square feet, we're all getting it. You know, then where right. am I going to go? You know, it's a closed ventilation. Like I said, right. I don't clean with chemicals or anything. I was just using, you know, thieves and essential oils and, and all you couldn't that. even get anything at that point. You couldn't anyway, even get any out. <laughs> no bleach, no Clorox, no paper toilet. Nope. Cream, no. no, there was nothing. We, we almost had to send out like we have Costco and everything. So, you know, we always had like at least two packs of it. We almost had to send stuff to his brother in Arizona because they were running so low. We're like, we can, we can spare a roll or two. Like we were going to mail this man toilet paper. I like mailed my parents masks. Like there yeah. were a couple oh, of yeah. paper masks that I was able to like, and yep. I felt so guilty about it. I felt like I was, I was like, oh my God, I'm not swiping right now. Right. So then I would rewear like a mask and then take one that I was allocated for another I day. Did the same thing. And then I'm like, okay. I'm just going to rewear this one, but I'm allowed one a day. So this one's yeah. for my mom and then Tuesdays for dad and yeah. then Wednesdays for my sister. It's true. I have, I still have some N95s because in the hospital we were getting, you know, for radiology, we were getting like one a day because I was a papper hood, you know, the N95s don't fit. So I had to wear a whole respirator system. And so I would hold on to that and I would bring it home and I would get the smaller size for my kids and I would have them, I have them here just in case. And I have a friend that's a teacher that he is on such medications that we were scared for him. So his wife actually went to the grocery store and she had the N95 on like one of our N95s. And she's like, I almost thought I was going to get jumped at the grocery store. Like someone said like, Oh, like a mask like that. And she was like, I freaking tailed out of there. <laughs> she was oh, like, I, I thought used someone was going to jump me. As a pay- in, that, in March, I used it like as a payment method for something because I had, and I don't want to like put any places on blast. I'll be real vague, but I needed, I needed to get something. And everything, like you said, was getting real scarce at that point in time. And so- oh, yeah. I had a 10 pack of N95s because whenever you travel, like you kind of have to go through um, the employment process all over again. And so that includes every assignment. You have to get a fit test all over again. So in February, I didn't realize that there wasn't like this big, no, actually this was in January because I started the assignment in February. So I was getting all my shit together in January. So in January, I start slowly trying to get a fit test and I can't find masks anywhere i'm like i'm in walgreens i'm like what the fuck like, where are they right there's no masks and obviously nothing some obviously somebody knew something i didn't motherfucking know because right is it no, there's nothing in kroger there's nothing in home depot like i'm calling my recruiter like i don't know what you want me to do i would love <laughs> to be compliant <laughs> But I can't find any N95 masks. So she's like, listen, we really need to be compliant. Anywhere you can find a mask, just order it and we'll reimburse you. And I'm like, all right, you're not going to like what I find. Because on on Amazon, I can get a 10 pack, but it's like $70, $80. Price was ridiculous. And so I told her, I was like, that's what it is. Like, I don't know what that's, I I really, I can't find anything. I didn't didn't want them to think I was trying to get something I wasn't entitled to, but I had literally, my husband looked, I looked, we're online. Like there's no, there's no masks. And so at one point I needed to get something and I wound up since I had that extra, I used the, I was like, if I gave you an N95 mask, would that make a difference? Y'all the fucking, the answer was, yeah, that shit made a difference. And I got what I needed. It became like trading for it. Like it, it, it started to become almost like an apocalyptic world at one point with these things. Like you trade it off, you know, it was like, are we going to go down that road where we're becoming this, you know, with the movie show, <laughs> like yeah. it really was a scary time in the beginning. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that there's a vaccine and doing all that and trying to get that curve and that, you know, it turns out we're still learning and the kids aren't getting, you know, and we learned about the underlying conditions and, it was just I so I think that's what made the fear so much worse though, Shannon, is because you know, a lot with disease processes and as healthcare providers, we're trained to triage, right? We look right. 
we assess if as if it's safe, we're able to go in closer to right. the scene and and really start putting those you know those steps in place when it comes to assessing a patient and finding a good treatment option and a diagnosis for them. And there wasn't and, any. And of that. there wasn't any of that, girl. And it was nope. there was no pattern or. Nope. Or it anything to it. It was like you would think, okay, pre-existing conditions. This might be it. Nope. Sorry, the twenty-year-old nope. who works out, he just died. Like, all right, fuck, back to the drawing. Yeah. Point. Okay. Like the so thirty-year-old. Mostly gonna staff. affect this yeah. person. Not yeah. negative. Nope. Uh, nope. It didn't make any sense in no the beginning, and it was it, there wasn't. I mean, we had a girl in the ER that. I mean, we had no paper hoods. They had nothing, and there was a, like the story they told me, I was like, I would have gave them my paperhood. Like, that's just, you know what I mean? Like the, the pulmonary, the rest for, Oh, I can't imagine what they were going through. Our TTs you know, the, were in high oh, demand, girl. They were calling oh, rapid responses and they were, and they were exhausted, exhausted. Yeah. This girl was like, I don't even know. I think she was like 32 and her stats, her oxygen, like everything was down like 30. You know, like they were like, we got to get in there, but they couldn't get a paper hood. Like no one had a hood. They were out. Like it was just insane. And right the day before that happened, I was in the the ER again. So we started going portable for everything. So it was just, we'd suit up and go. And I'm standing there and they're, they made some of the new ER rooms. Like they, they put the ventilation systems in there. So then we're, they were using the baby monitors. Like there was a time where people were donating baby monitors to watch these people in the ICU, the ER, all that stuff so that they didn't have to constantly go in. Wow. So they're watching this guy on the ER, mo- like the, the baby monitor. And the next thing you know, like they don't know the family, they can't get a hold. They don't know. His, they don't even know who he is at this point. You know, it was like one of those John Doe's, but he was older mm-hmm. and then I just see the intubation, the tube coming out and everything else. Like, you know, it's the, he ended up, they figured out who he was and he had a DNR, but they had gone through the whole process of intubating him and trying to get everything back. Right. So at the same Do time, you're like, watching life. right. But they also, at the same, they they came out, like they have the feeling, but it also came out like we just wasted so many materials, so many resources. And you know, that's a really shitty way for any provider to feel to even have the thought process. First of all, we, we are able to compute thought processes like in in like a microsecond. So if from one second to another, we have computed the process we've critically thought, and we're already on to the next one, but the lingering feeling. Oh, yeah. Damn, like I really just thought that I wasted these resources yeah. on this life. Right. Is like it's crushing. It's cr- it was terrible. They came out, they I mean the amount of people I saw crying in hallways and you know on our third floor in radiology like in we shared with vascular. So like general ultrasound and vascular were separate. And we also had a maternal fetal health down the like so we all did we were in a separate area. But us vascular and us shared we were literally sitting on top of each other. There was like seven of us. There was no social distancing. We can't do that. Like we had no space, you know, and one person gets it. We all get it. So then we're all nervous. We're all worried because we all have, we're, you know, either you have older kids or I was the only one that had little kids at the time. I was and our boss at the time, girl, I, yeah. was, I was like, I mean, Oh my God, how am I supposed right? to nurse? Like, my- the girl I work with just had a baby in March and after she has the baby, four days later, she's in the ER for an appendectomy and her husband can't be in there. And my boss at the time was out from December to just about the beginning of March when all this started for shoulder surgery because of being an ultrasound tech for 20 years, you know, like she know comes back goes. to a pandemic Jesus. like and she had been out for three months. It was so many emotions. to turn right the fuck back around like she, did. she was like right <laughs> and she didn't know what to do yeah <laughs> like you're like oh my god oh, no. what she's like what the hell is going on like all of my years of doing this like she's she started scanning back in the days with the the arm like the, you know the Shan- with the b scanner Yes. So this is what pissed me off so much. And and her story, your friend just mentioning that is the perfect example of this because ultrasound has been a hazardous field 
from the beginning from, from beginning. that big ass b scanner that thank yes. god i've never had to deal with but i heard stories i know some and it, it was hard and it, it was laboring very labor intensive and so they fixed kind of the machines and they made them lighter and prettier but the consequence of that was that the caseload shot up so high right that right. now 90 percent of us like your friend have some type of pain or and yeah. you've gone to the yeah. point of trauma. So then here you go, this woman who's already been dealing with the long-term chronic effects and hazards yep. of diagnostic medical ultrasound, she comes back from surgery and bam, now you are introduced to the no social distance in scenario. Yeah. Welcome to the brand right. new hazard. Now yeah. there's a novel deadly coronavirus that could be airborne, but by the way, no, your patients are still right next to you and no, they right. don't have in to wear face. a mask. And yeah, we're not actually going to decrease your load now either because oh. we can't do surgery anymore. So we're taking a real big loss there and we need to make it up somehow. Yeah. So we're going to need oh, you guys please. to just keep scanning everything and we might actually <sighs> increase your load even more. Yeah. Like would, it is such a fucking insult, girl. Like right. I'm so mad. It was, <laughs> we had like elevated LFTs, you know, all the, the renal disease and stuff like that. And like, thankfully we had a radiologist that the head of ultrasound that was on top of it. Like he would call those ordering doctors and he's like, that's part of the disease. My girls aren't going in there. That's would you gift. go in there? That's a it was gift. such a gift. It was such a gift. He was awesome. And he, so, he would get on the phone with them and name? be like, are you going in those rooms? No, you're using the phone. My girls aren't going in there because they have to be in there for a half hour or so. That's ridiculous. No, you're, he was pissed. He was like, what, no, you're what's shit. His, what's his name? Part Girl. of the disease. Dr. I mean, Flaherty. Dr. Flaherty. If you yes. like are out there, if you can hear this big ups to you, we yes. need we many, was, many more Dr. Flaherty's. In yes, we do. We do. And he's the head of ultrasound. We had, there was oh, one day it. in the beginning, five orders from the ASU came out and we were using our ASU as an area for the only COVID patients. And this is when they were putting the, they were all intubated on their stomachs. A resident ordered five freaking abdominal scans. And he was like, absolutely not. They are not doing that. You know that like your nurses don't even go in there for that long to check on the patient. Do you know how long that would take my girls to do? No, not happening. And they had, they came up with the whole protocol after that. It was quick scanning. You take a picture, you do this, it's all limited and you get out. That was it. And it was like, how many you felt so much people, safer, man. There's so many people that did not have that support. We did, just, And it was great that we did. Thank God we did because there's only, there was only like four of us working, you know, like we didn't have, we don't have a lot of staff and we're doing call and we're doing everything else. And luckily we had him on our side. Like he was home working tech, you know, but he still was like, Nope, there's no need for that don't do that. Don't. And then you had the other radiologists that were like, yeah, whatever. They just didn't think about it, mm -hmm. but he was really pushing like, no, you can go in. He actually fought with the guy. There's two, you know, the owner kind of one. And then the one under him, he actually fought with the header guy. Like there was an email chain that, and I saw it and I was like, he's like, I don't agree with you. They don't need to go in there. They can do a quick Cine loop of the right kidney and left kidney and get out. And, yeah, and you know what? You can take those still images in your room post-processing. Exactly. Especially you can with literally our, yep. go in there, do a like, nice no need. sweep and then leave. Yep. No and need. I love when there's physicians because it makes the entire healthcare experience for the patients and the providers and to the benefit of the practice better when there's a collaborative yeah. environment. Yeah. Oh, when, yeah. when there's not collaboration and it's very focused on money and focused on bottom lines and focused on productivity, which we know is all important because if you're not in business, we don't get paid. I need a job. Right. I need you to be in business. Like I right. get that, but there has to be a line. There has to be somewhere where you say, how much can one person's body take to make sure that we meet productivity right. needs. And if, if one person is not enough to meet those needs, you need another person. Right. So that the workload, oh. the workload cannot exceed 
the workforce. And when that happens, like I'm sure you guys are familiar with in so many places, it's just short staffed. You're working on skeleton crews. Oh my God, you're working yeah. on bare minimum. And you're like, we need somebody else, you know? And then that it's, burnout kicks in. The physical We've been fighting. They were fighting. We were fighting for someone to do overnights. I, I actually had such a bad call weekend. I didn't sleep at all. I actually fell asleep at the wheel of my car on one of my calls and went off the road. Oh, I could have, I could have died. I get there and I was like, holy shit. And it's for nothing. It's for BS things. You're just ordering the order. And you didn't even point. see like, the patient yet, right? Or you right. the quant came like, back and I, it was I 200. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, oh, I got called in for a 14 quant once. And I'm like, please come on. And I, 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 called my boss. I'm like, I can't. And I was supposed to be scheduled at a different facility the next day that, so I wouldn't get my comp time, which we could leave early. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it is six o'clock in the morning. I have yet to sleep in two freaking days. I nearly killed myself coming in here for a gallbladder that doesn't fucking exist, you know, cause that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I'm surgically not absent <laughs> right. all the time. That would happen. And I would, I walked right up to that doctor one time. I'll never forget it with his face too. And the PA oh. sitting next to him laughed at him. Cause I was like, so the patient, you called me for acute coli. They don't have a gallbladder. And they told me they, t- and I said it right. I'm like, she told me, she told you that. So mm-hmm. don't play. I was pissed. I was like, I was, oh. I had it up to here. And he just looked at me and the PA next to him, like, mm-hmm. oh, laughed at him. And he's like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, and, whatever. Just, and you see, that's even more spirit. insulting because why don't you just, why don't you take that? Hey. You're, you're right. just, you laugh about it or you just kind of shrug well, it off. The PA, the PA big... laughed at the doctor that ordered it. Like yeah. you're an idiot, you know? And the doctor didn't know what to say. It's like, I freaking caught you in a lie, basically. Right. Like, I just caught you lying to get a fucking insurance ordering. That's insurance ordering. It's ridiculous. And I, I, even now, like at the breast center, the emotional ups and downs all day long and the, the, the breast surgeons are above us and the stuff that they order. And I'm like, I mean, I literally had a person, I did a a totally screening, a mammal ultrasound screening. She goes upstairs. They send her back down for a picture of an area I already took. And I'm like, but we took that and I have the pictures to show up, but they did it again. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why are you putting this person through it? Right. Like, and that's it. It, it. They're putting both people through it, right? It's the patient and right. the provider. And part of the scope of a sonographer, of a diagnostic sonographer is to question the validity of an exam. Right. To make sure it's a valid order. And, yep. you call and then you get questions. But why are you questioning me? I have to. That's I'm my job. To. Right. Like, I, I have certifications in this. This is my job. I know my job. I know what's right in my job. And this isn't right. Like, it's not something. that it's not that hard, but they just they're like, oh, it's just that and this, that and the other thing. And it's just it's ultrasound. Just, I'm like, it's just it's, it's just always ultrasound. just something. Then, right. Right. So then why are you calling me? Why do you need me so bad if it's just ultrasound? It's just ultrasound. And it's always, why do you need me so bad? Just look at this real quick. And can you just take a look at the kidney real quick? And can you just check here to see if there's any fluid? And can you just, and can you just, just, you're just looking. And it's just ultrasound. Motherfucker, pick up the transducer then and do it yourself. Or don't call me at three o'clock in the morning telling me that you need me to rule out a next topic. And the quant is two. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I had patients like they'd come and, you know, all, it's two in the morning. What are you coming now for? You've been sick or you've been feeling like crap all day and you're coming now at two o'clock in the morning. And then I get called in and I try to, I always try to not, it's not the patient's fault. You know, I'd, I'd have to have, you know, sometimes it's the patient's heel. fault. Don't and then it's sometimes it's the patient. So, and sometimes like, they become an gender at 2 a.m. And then I, <laughs> and you'd be I like- used to make them feel bad. <laughs> I used to make them feel bad to the point where they were like, and then I don't tell, you know, they think you're going to give them results. You're going to do this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, no, I left my, I remember I left my flu sick child throwing up in the bathroom at three years old at 103 fever to come here for you. And you didn't even need this. Like I've made people feel bad. Just be like, cause don't do this to anyone else. Yeah, don't do it. Funny. You need to learn your lesson. It's not right. Like we're not here for, it's instant not an urgent gratification, care. instant service. It's an ER. You're here for emergency, not for, oh, well, instant I kind of my stomach hurt. I don't need to be doing this. Like, oh, you know, my doctor said I could get an ultrasound, but they couldn't get me for like two weeks. So you come at two in the morning. That's not right, man. Like, come on. 
and they the the problem is the physicians that feed into it too. That always, you know, it's well, you know, it's not it's the physician. Sometimes it's not the physicians ordering. Sometimes it's the nurses ordering. Sometimes it's the you know the PAs ordering. So. Oh, the PA, our PAs were better than the doctors about stuff. Like oh, they, yeah. we had more PAs that were better. Like one PA, he was such a cutie. I, I looked, I always thought he was looked like Gus Gus from Cinderella. <laughs> we ordered like crazy. And I was like, oh, Gus Gus is on the bed. Gus oh, Gus. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. But we've all, it's just tiring, man. And it's, you know, you don't know how to react sometimes, you know, and you're just, you get so flabbergasted with things at points. And some of these orders that come through, you're like, what, what? Like, and then I had one guy, one surgeon arguing with me over saying that the CAT scan for appendicitis, it's not a good study. We need the ultrasound. I said, not on a 40 fucking year old woman. No, you, if we don't see it, you go to like you go to the cat. That's the whole part. Like he was trying to yeah, argue. That is the gold insane. standard. Your ultrasound's not the gold standard for appendicitis. No, At nope. All. I mean, I, I see a 40 year old. Right. And I, I found it once on a 36 year old. They sent her and they're like, and she was sent for appendicitis and they ordered a transvaginal for torsion. And I put the probe down. I'm like, she don't have no fucking torsion. She's got a raging appendicitis. Wow. So I, I take pictures. I go to the radiologist and he's like, you're damn right. Do not do that. I'm like, I'm not doing a transvaginal on her. And he's like, no, you're not. And I call up the ordering doctor. I'm like, so she was sent here for appendicitis. Guess what? <laughs> she had appendicitis. Like it just was insane. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You know, she had the perfect BMI. Like she was a skinny, perfect person. And we did a lot on kids, you know, and I remember we had a perfor I had a perforated one and I'm like, it's perforated, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, the surgeons still made the ordering doc- the ER doctor order a CAT scan, even though our radiologist said it, everything else. I'm like, now you're just delaying care. Cause you've got to drink the stuff and everything else. I thought that is a perforated appendix. What are you doing? Right. Like that's why enough. Do I now, do it then? you don't need to, for me to reconfirm it. You have it. It's, right. it's right. time to get it out. And if you don't think it's true, if you don't think ultrasound is doing, if you don't think, I mean, we used to do appendicitis is like crazy. I I mean, that's something I can do in my sleep now. Mm -hmm. You don't think that we're getting it. You don't think it's right. Then don't order it. Don't Don't waste the time. Yeah. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You want my professional opinion. I give you the diagnostic results and you're going to go behind me and then order the other one anyway. Why don't you just fucking start there? Like why am I scanning? Right. What was the point of that? Now, besides wasting the patient's time, the poor kid was like 16 years old and like shit ton of pain, mm. you know, now you have, now he's got to drink that stuff and then yeah, that go takes and time have a CAT too. scan and that that's a 90 time. minute wait. That's like, what was time. the point of that? Yeah. When you could have just started the antibiotic and got him ready to go. People wonder why you're in the ER for five or six hours. And then they get mad when, you know, patients go up and they start bitching an hour or two in like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I've seen the same person walk by seven times. Uh, At this point, we're doing this, but now we're doing this. Now we have to do this too. Like, yeah, he has all the time. Great. Let's on to the next one. You can't really argue with, you know, surgeons. I've had, I have had a surgeon yell at me to find the brachiocephalic vein because every artery has a vein. But those are superficial. I remember I tried to give an example and then there's like this, you you try to give an example because you're just speaking, you know, peer to peer, but then they try to make it like this authoritative yeah. thing over like the little baby provider or something. So you was like, right. no, um, sir, the, the greater saphenous vein is actually a superficial vessel that we look at a lot. That's another example where there's right. not an accompanying artery. So right. there's, it, there's not always, you know, and but right. he's, he's girl, he screamed at me and I was just, okay. You're like, but I know mm-hmm. I can't give it to you I because can't. it doesn't exist. I can't give it to you, you know, and that's a certain I had a radiologist yell at me. I never fucking forget the shit. And, um, and this was where I wound up just leaving because, you know, the radiologist feels a certain way. You go to the supervisor for help. There's no help. You go to the manager. There's no help. You go to the director. There's no help. They tell you in so many words, like you should stop going around. Like this is 
the radiologists kind of have like a mafia thing and you really don't yeah. like they, like, I'm like, I don't give a fuck about nobody's mafia. He right. screamed at me because I would not do a transvaginal exam on a two day postpartum bereaved parent who just lost her twins. Oh, fuck. No, that so wouldn't happen. In my, no, nope. she, yeah, she's mm-hmm. you don't do that shit. two days postpartum and she's in the ER that, and I'm a bereaved parent. So, you know, uh, I already feel a certain way, but I'm a provider first and I'm here to provide her right. the care that she needs. So that's all that matters. And I go in there and she's bleeding and, and we're trying to see if we could, you know, find what's going on. Her uterus is still really big. So I don't really need to go transvaginal number right. one. It's not going to help you. Nothing up the vagina for six weeks. Six weeks. And then we're going to risk infection. And then her uterus is going to be too big. It's going to be outside of my field of view. And I can see transabdominally. So let me just yeah. go there first. Yeah. Which was what I did. Um, girl, he was like, you need to go transvaginal. You don't make that call. If they order a transvaginal, that's what you have to do. And I said, no, sir, that's not we, the way we that works. <laughs> I, we I did. We refuse all the time. Yeah. I appreciate, you know, collaborating and making sure that the doctors get what they need for their patients. But just because an order comes across does not mean that that, and I have to do that that way right i'm gonna i need what you're looking for so that i can discuss and decide the best way to get you your answers that is going to make sure that we don't exceed the benefit versus risk assessment oh yeah and i got what he needed girl he screamed on me and let me tell you when he yelled at me and told me that i was the only one in the medical community who ever heard of nothing going up the vagina six weeks after uh are you kidding girl he literally said i was the only one in the medical community who felt that way he's an idiot And, and i knew two things off the jump girl immediately number one professionally you're showing your ass because you have no idea what goes on in an OBGYN world. And so are you qualified to read pelvic exams? So, but number two, you don't have no kids, do you? Right. So I know you're not a daddy and I know you're lacking professionally by that ignorant ass motherfucking remark that you just said telling me trying to ostracize me that i'm the only one in the medical community who thinks that way that nothing goes up the vagina for six weeks that's everywhere like are you kidding and we would get orders for like a three-week postpartum and stuff and for transvaginal we wouldn't even call the doctors we would change it to a pelvic complete and move the fuck on and that's what girl that's what i did i moved the fuck on and he was like where's the transvaginal i'm like can't do it can't do that. And Can't do he it. made, he went out of his way to make me feel like shit. And that was where I went to the supervisor. I'm like, I can't find, like, I'm looking for something peer reviewed that says that so that I it, can send yeah. it to him, you know? And so there's, there's stuff out there, but it's not like peer reviewed because I think it's right. just that common fucking knowledge. Like, what do you mean? So well, I yeah. can't find anything. And so I went to him and I'm like, we're butting heads because now when there's a phone call, when he wants to know something or there's a question, now I feel like he's calling me on every motherfucking exam. Now I feel like he's pointing out really dumb shit. Now I feel like he's sending me back into the room for things like there's some type of a challenge going on here. And it started when I changed the order and I did a transabdominal exam, which I yeah. stand by. I'm still not going over there with a transvaginal exam. And I'm going to tell him, like, I'm going to tell you, if you feel mm-hmm. that that has to happen, then by all means, the machine is right over there. And so is have, the transducer. At it. You can do it. Go ahead. Go see for what happens. it. Go ahead. Yep. There's been times where I'm like, you go ahead. Have at it. Have at it. What are you going to do? We're, this is what we do. We're here and to help. I don't and serve, like you know we're your eyes. If you think you can do better, that you haven't picked up the probe in 10 freaking 15 years, come and try it. I all motherfucking means have at it. But 
I don't tell you how to do your job. I come right. to you for advice professionally. I come to you for your thoughts and your intelligence and, and your education and your experience. Right. I don't right. come to you for, for you to talk down to me or to look at me or talk to me. Right in some belittling, demeaning way, because somehow your lack of education and life, you know, obviously you're not even a father or not that that's a bad thing, but it was just, it was like obvious to me in that moment that that's part of your life that you are not fulfilled in. Right. Why I gotta feel bad over that? You shouldn't. And that's the thing is we're put through these, the ringers of things and you're like, but I'm doing my job and my job is to do what's best for the patient. I have to look out for that patient. You might be the, like, or even an ordering doctor. That's my patient. That's my patient. When they're in my room, my, they become my patient. Right. And I'm going to do what's best for them. And if they're unhappy, if they want me to stop because they're in pain or the young girl who, yes, she's sexually active, but doesn't want a transvaginal because she's freaking out that her parents might find out I'm not going to do it because that's her choice. It's her body. Plain and simple. I refused to do a transvaginal on a 14 year old and she was pregnant and they were yelling at me. Well, obviously she's sexually active. And I'm like, you don't motherfucking know that. Okay. You don't know what happened. That 14 year old doesn't look like she's comfortable with any type of a transvaginal exam and I'm not touching her. Right. You don't know the story. Yeah. You don't know how that baby got in there. Right. I used to do that all the time. I would talk to people all the time and I, and I would, no, because you don't know what the walk of life, you don't know why that 14, you don't know what happened. If they even so, looked at her, if they bothered to look at that child, no. at her body language, at her face, I'm not even going to attention. ask her. I don't need right. to ask her. Right. They don't have that. They come in, they, they, they're looking down, they don't pay attention. It's on us. We're the faces. We're in their face. We're, we're there. They lean on us more than like, it's because you don't, you're doing that every exam without anyone else in the room, you know, so they can feel comfortable and answer the right questions and tell us the right things. You know, I, I just, people don't understand that part of our job is like, we're someone that these people lean on, like all of a sudden they start spewing things out that they never thought they would before. You know, you hear the stories that you're like, I don't know how to take that. (laughs) But do you need a hug? Sometimes you just take it and yeah, and and give a hug. And that was a big thing we lost during the pandemic was that ability to give our patients hugs because I'm big on that. I I will pray with my patients if I feel that it calls for it because you know we see some we see some pretty intense stuff in ultrasound to say that it's the most the least stressful job or that there's not. Oh, that drives me up the freaking wall. That makes me so mad. I get so upset. (laughs) It's disgusting. I have left work crying. I've been at work crying. I, you know, now I just deal with breasts all day. So I'm doing breast cancer. You know, it usually doesn't get to me too much because a lot of people are, you know, people are people, but there was a 20 something year old woman and she just left an abusive relationship. Her young kid was in the ER recently for, had been in the ER at that point because he wanted to commit suicide. And I'm saying young, just gets diagnosed with this huge cancer. She's 20 something years old mm-hmm. and she's yeah. living in a, a halfway home. Like when you say like down, 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 all the way down, I've never, I've, a patient, I've never cried like that before. All of us, mammotechs, although we were, we were just didn't know what to say or what to do. It was like the worst story in the world. And for someone to make this kind of article to say it's least stressful is such a slap in the face because we are emotionally stressed, physically stressed, mentally stressed. If we don't see it, the doctor doesn't see it. If we aren't in the right spot at the right time, if we don't see those incidentals, if we miss that appendicitis on that five-year-old, if it, that they didn't want to do a CAT scan, that kid goes home and it fucking ruptures. Like the shit that's on our shoulders is extremely stressful, extremely stressful. We have so much on our shoulders and so much on our minds at every given moment. So that article, that is such a terrible thing to say. Lovely, stressful. Go ahead. Are you kidding? We have more stress than the radiologist. We're in that room. They're not. 
We have more stress than the doctors, the nurses. They're not scanning that patient, finding a pancreatic cancer on someone you know, which has happened to me, who I see, I put the probe down and I see it and I can't say a goddamn thing. And now I know what this fucking woman's going to go through. Yeah. And I have to sit there with the best poker face I got. Now, no one else is sitting there in that with room. They're just ordering the test and moving on. They didn't actually see that mass. I did. I had to look at this person in the face. I had to see that mass on her. And you had to they don't do it, it and document it in one plane and another plane. Is it vascular? What does it measure? What are, and if, what are its characteristics? Is it solid? Is it cystic? Right. Is it complex? Right. Is yep. there any refraction? Is there any attenuation? Is there any shadowing? Are the borders irregular? So does it look nodular? Does it have a feeding tube? Like, And I was training somebody too, like to take, <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I, I'm thinking to myself, if I was a newbie at a school, I probably would have not even noticed that, you know, I just, and I'm, I just think like, and she had a CAT scan after a specialized pancreatic CAT scan, whatever. I'm like, if I didn't see that, she, they wouldn't have done that CAT scan. They wouldn't have ordered the secondary image. And she would probably, she up. would, she'd be dead. She'd be dead. And I know she's, and I, I've kept up like the following of it and she's doing great. And she actually is someone with the BRCA gene and had a full hysterectomy and a double mastectomy. Oh, which, wow. So pancre- and the pancreas is something it goes to after. So you see, and that just shows you the difference between what an ultrasound tech is and what a diagnostic medical sonographer is. Mm-hmm. It, we save lives. Okay? There's so many things it, I've had there's some great days you go in and it might be just bread and butter all day and, and it's no biggie and it's another day, but there are some days that are so impactful and you never know when those impactful moments are going to be like that one impactful moment that day. Or if your whole day is going to be impact after impact, impact. you just never know. And you, and you lean on each other, you know, like we're all work together. So it's three thirty. you know, someone else is doing the three 30 to midnight shift. And one of the girls would call me and talk to me. She called me up crying, crying because the radiologist screamed at her because she just scanned a four-year-old right for appendicitis. And you know how little a belly is on a four-year-old. Yeah. She incidentally sees a mass and she looks, the kid ended up having fucking renal cell carcin, like the, um, a nephroblastoma. nephroblastoma. Oh my God. She sends me the picture. She's like, what is this? I said, that's a fucking nephroblastoma. But she calls me crying because the radiologist screamed at her saying, why were you looking at the kidney? Why are you doing this? That's out of the scope and yelling at her. And she's like, they're a tiny tummy. Like it was a tiny whole abdomen. It's still like the transducer now. And I said to her, I said, don't listen to her. You just saved that fucking kid's life. Oh, I said, he, I said, how dare he be mad about having to read that or talk to them or do anything because you see something in somebody and say, you saved a life today. Good. I I saw her protocol. I saw her the next day and I gave her a big hug and a pat on the shoulder. I said, you just saved that kid's life. Don't ever let him, don't ever let them think that I said, how, how dare he, I even told my supervisor, I was like, there's no, I'm like, then something has to be done about that. I bet it didn't even matter. She saved that kid. She saved his life, like, or her life. I was like, if I was that parent, I would come and find you. And like, are you kidding? You're yelling at her over finding something. What's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? Like, that is like a huge thing. Like, you don't want to, like, you're just pissed off. You got to read it now and say something else. No, fuck you. Fuck you. You know what will be real fucking crazy, girl? When they find stuff and they don't want to read it, they leave that shit out. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I've had, like, yep. I'll be like, hi, um, I was just following up. I saw the report. Did you see the images I put at the end? And I made a note that there was an incidental finding. Um, I wasn't quite sure what it was. So I just described yeah. it, but I didn't see it in the report. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know what what clinical significance it was. So I'm like, yeah. well, I didn't know what the clinical significance was either. But something was off. Something was there and it shouldn't yeah. have been there. And if it should have been there, maybe it's just an anatomical variant. Maybe it should be there. Maybe it's not a problem. But that's know. also, maybe well, that's a I learning do. experience. What maybe I, I should, you know. Maybe. Ugh. Yeah, sometimes they just leave that shit out. And, okay, so. <laughs> 
on the other side of that coin and we'll wrap it up soon because <laughs> it's been such a great conversation. I almost hate for it to end. But the other thing of that is when they leave stuff out is when they dictate verbatim what you write on your impression. Oh, right. Right. But that's like, not our job. Right. Yo, I, like, Son of a bitch. I'm gonna need a little bit of that dictation money that you just made off of Seriously. my impression because like they wouldn't even right, try right. to check. Right. But <laughs> they're yeah, they just take it right check. off the worksheet. But we're we're not, you know, but some of them are like, Well, you don't know what you're talking about. You mm. yeah, okay. But you just literally wrote everything. I had a ectop of oh ruptured ectopic. I'll never forget this. And I was just working in the hospital, it was my first one on my own. And I put the probe down and not even transvaginal. I put the transabdominal and I'm like, oh crap, that is blood everywhere. Her betas, whatever. So I go to the tech and I'm like, can you just confirm? Like, I want you to look at my pictures, but I want you to scan her too. Just, I want you to confirm. Yeah. Sometimes you just need that. So, you know, like, and it was my first fucking ectopic ever. Right. So I go out, we, she's like, yes, you know, you're hundred percent right. I write it up. The radiologist calls me screaming who what are you writing blood in the pelvis for that could be a hematoma blah, blah, blah. freaking out i'm like a fucking hematoma i said her betas are this she's bleeding that's a ruptured ectopic he flipped his shit wrote hematoma in the report i said there's no trauma wow there's nothing yes. thank god the er doctors didn't listen and sent her to surgery i'm like are you fu-? he just so had to dangerous. argue that's so dangerous but that's what we do. Like if thankfully, you know, some of the ER doctors would ask us things before even talk to the radiologist because they would value our opinions at some points before theirs, because they're like, we know you guys know what you're doing. You know, there was some that really, the ER, some of those ER doctors really held us at a high respect. And it, it felt that felt good. You know, others were assholes, which is normal, but other ones were like, we can't do this without you. You know, and it, that always was a nice, it always made you feel good. Like, thank you. This is what I did. I went to school for this. Like, I'm not just a glorified photographer, you know? Exactly. I think, I think if there's some more education and that's part of, you know, what the work is when it comes to building this bridge for safety and sonography is really educating on what it really means to be a diagnostic sonographer, because if you look at the resources available that describe our job duties, they're just so far removed, you know, talking about technical skills and, and interpersonal skills and, you know, ambidextrousness, you're still missing the whole other side of what it means. You know, we, we have to be very close to our patients, right? So then there's that whole issue with, with, infectious disease processes, especially Mm -hmm. the way the virus went down and and the total lack of response on the ARDMS's part when it came and the AIUM and all of the other industry leaders who released these like letters that only dug the sonographers into a bigger hole when Mm -hmm. we brought it to our employers and said, hey, listen, they're recommending we go down and they go, take that shit out of here. Like nobody worried about do we have to do it? No. Okay. We'll get the fuck out of my office. Right. <laughs> um, but to learn what we really do and what it really takes to get those images and to collaborate, if, if there was a better collaboration and, and a better understanding about what we really do as healthcare providers mm-hmm. and what it takes to do that for us. Yeah. I think the whole yeah. industry would, fun- the whole workforce would function so much better and we would be able to give such better care to our patients because mm-hmm. we'd feel like we had the time to do it. Not like there's five more patients waiting and then the, the add-on just showed up and then they called and now, you know, you were going to do just an arterial, but now you're doing an arterial and a venous. Yeah. And so you're trying, it's just too much. It's really too way much. too much because it's, you know, and all respect for every modality I do have, but we're not on the other side of a door or, or a plexiglass. And mm-hmm. we're not there. We are literally face to face with these people and we can't, they're not holding their breath and, you know, in the MRI, you can't move this, that, or the other thing. Like we go deal with restrained people. We deal with prisoners because they can't go get x-ray. They, yeah. we do so much more in that aspect. And these people literally stare at us while we're trying to take our images. Why are you taking so many pictures? Why do I hear it going off? So like they, 
they let loose because they know they can't ask the mammal tech because they can't breathe during that picture. They can't ask the S-ray tech because they, they have to hold their the breath room. too. <laughs> right, right, right. And the MRI person, they're just checking in them every once in a while. They, you can't physically move or talk or do anything. You know, it's such a different experience and we're the only ones that are ever going to understand that, but right. people need to be more educated on that. And it's, it just makes me sad that we work so hard and we do so much and people are like, ah, you do this. You just take pictures. Yeah. I just take pictures. You know, like you yeah. just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I hate you anyway. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this was such a great conversation, Shannon. Yes, it was. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time tonight. I really enjoyed it. Of course, I did too. It's nice to get it off and out there. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we're all understand. Yeah, we're all kind of sitting with this. You know, we're really coming up on a year of, you know, when all of these things happened. It it was a year ago that I was, we were all getting naked in our driveways because we didn't want to bring our clothes inside. So we're like stripping in the driveway, looking at our neighbors. I please don't look at my my, my booty. I'm so sorry. Right, right. The robo is out there. (laughs) It was insane. It really was. And you didn't know where to go or who to what to do you know it was it's very isolating too at the same time and it just to yeah, see be a year oof. It, it feels a lot longer doesn't it it feels like it a does. whole lifetime ago it's true it really does we live in a post-pandemic setting that's truly what it yeah. is at this point and and that pre-pandemic setting is is just a further and further distant memory of what yeah. it was like. It's going to be one of those things. Like, do you remember before the pandemic? Do you remember, yeah. you know, before 9 yeah, 11? That's yeah. what, that's it's, what this is. This is going to be one of those things. Like, my 12 year old is going to remember. My five year old is going to be like, yeah, I remember when you said we can go to the zoo for a year. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, we spent the time building a garden in the house and, and finding right. all these other ways to still connect and thrive yeah. in life while we, you know, pivoted like everybody else did. Well, like other people did to the situation at hand. Yeah, There That's were true. people who just ignored it entirely. And like a two-year-old, yeah. I don't see you and you don't see me. And so it's not yep. real. Right, right. Oh. Right, like the three-year-old standing <laughs> in the middle of the living room, like, oh yeah, I'm hiding. <laughs> exactly. If you cover your eyes, nobody can see you. Anymore. Nobody sees it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. And everybody, I just want to say real quick, Shannon is the manager, owner, creator of Team Sano of our store. And she is the amazing woman who's going to be creating all of the really great content for you guys in the store. So if there's anything that you think of that you don't see that you want, that you're like, I know that she would totally appreciate this and she can make it for me. Y'all just reach out to her and the Team Sano store, reach out to me. We have a couple of different ways you can get what you need and what you want and we are here for you guys so i just wanted to put that out there as well this is shannon everybody she's so amazing (laughs) (laughs) all right we will catch you guys on the next episode of sonographers spill the tea where we will share all of the tea in sonography I'd like to thank you all for joining us for Sonographers Spill the Tea. If you enjoyed today's tea, go ahead and subscribe to Safety. And if you have any questions, go ahead and email us at info at ultrasafeultrasounds.com. And we will catch you next Tuesday for some freshly spilt tea in Sonography.